0: Two.
1: And welcome to Say That the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the City of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA.
2: It's time to kick up a ruckus.
1: Okay. So joining <laughs> us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. Joining us all the way from C with the Pastor of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger.
3: I feel like Glenn took it all the way back to to uh, Texas with that intro right there.
2: That's Actually, right. Everyone enjoys a ruckus. It's going to be a ruckus.
1: You don't know what ruckus means, do you? Not entirely. Okay. Well, we <laughs> did want to start out this week with a very non-ruckus-related uh, statement. This is actually all good news, and it's folk good news, which uh, is kind of the opposite wow. of kicking up a ruckus. You, yeah. Many of you know, we mentioned on the show last week, our friends Southern Harmonic, friends and label, are they actually released their first EP on their, our Bridgebox label, and they made it to through a series of events we still can't quite fully comprehend, (laughs) made it to be the number seven singer-songwriter album on iTunes. Like, the whole iTunes. That iTunes. The first one you heard of when you saw that. Kicked Simon and Garfunkel's ass. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) James Taylor stepped on his neck. Yeah. Destroyed James Taylor. Uh, Number seven. A huge thing. The number one, we later found out, our friend Brian, who's in Southern Harmonic, found a chart we didn't even know existed. And there's a separate like EPs and singles chart. E P is like a kind of a shorter album. And they we were they were number one singer, songwriter EP in the world.
4: Pretty dang amazing, man. If you can wrap Woo. your mind
1: around it. So that was wow. a lot of we really appreciate all you guys who bought the record and that's you know Brian and Clark or the guys in Southern Harmonic did a great job with the record and Lee uh, and Jed on the recording stuff and um, the, all the money that people spent goes to help kids go to Young Life Camp, which is super awesome. So we're pretty happy with the whole that's, thing.
3: That's all really great, but I feel like now is the moment where Jed and I just put on our super cool record producer sunglasses. Yeah, and yeah. we might we might just have to go into our into our record producing British accents at this point because now we're world famous, baby.
1: Quiet. Well, we, uh, we still didn't make any money.
3: Oh,
4: oh.
1: Let's keep that clear. All the money oh. got given away. Oh. So, uh, successful, but found a way to be very successful and still make no money.
4: Okay, okay. Right. But but it's still, good. though, it sounds like... We're on like, the chart, though. We're on the chart.
1: It sounds like something was just... It's pure... It's a win. It's something to be happy about. You would have to be a depraved, damaged individual to On my basis,
2: I declare the right to say!
1: As if on cue. <laughs> okay? Okay. <laughs> What's wrong with the situation here, As Glenn? if
2: maybe I missed a cue a few beats back in the conversation. Now we've just been
1: filling for about three minutes at this point.
2: <laughs> so, sometimes I don't really listen to the show. <laughs> so, sometimes you just it.
0: kind
1: of lose track of
2: large swaths of
1: time. Yeah. Glenn beats people because he doesn't even wait until the show is fully recorded to not listen to
2: it. That's right. Now, here's what happened is we made it, as, as Matt was saying, number seven. On the yep. iTunes chart, and this is a secular uh, singer songwriter chart. Sure, and it's an album of hymns. I think that's a pretty cool thing. I think people at home should feel excited about that and the whole Christian implications of that. And and regular listeners, Christian
1: implications will be the follow up album, of course. That's right
2: Now, regular listeners to this podcast, and really at this point, who else? you know you hear it once boom you're locked in absolutely well
1: here's what yeah sure that's not really the way it goes <laughs> here's,
2: here's here's the thing people know we got a beef a serious beef with joel osteen dang right we do it's a
1: serious not running joke beef
2: it's a feud it's a vicious feud and a fight That he doesn't know about.
4: It's the Hatfields (laughs) and the (laughs) McCosteens.
2: And because what it is, is he has a top Christian podcast.
4: He's got number one.
2: Number one. We want that spot. Yeah, we want those numbers. We want to knock him off the spot. That's our whole we want the sweets. Sweet We're at least three
1: hundred spots away because that's <laughs> as deep as the Christian iTunes chart goes. And we
2: wanna we wanna we wanna be we wanna be at the top. We wanna yeah, to all boost. You know what I mean? We yeah. wanna we wanna be uh the you know, the bull goose of that chart. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Okay. Well, so we start this is what we said. We'll start a beef with Joel Osteen and then we'll that's we'll how rise it, up. We'll rise up. That was
1: three years ago. It hasn't
2: quite caught on yet it well i think we're ranked number zero right now so you know it's 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 what do you call a slow developing sure uh, it's the slow burn well so here's what i found out i you know i looked i like everybody else i got up this week looked at the itunes chart and wow southern harmonic is there they're like on the chart but then i say wait a second who on earth has the audacity yeah. okay. to be at the number one spot on that chart? The gall, even. The 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 guile, if Ooh, you will. Okay. Okay. Here's what we Not found what out. Not what guile
1: means, but go ahead.
2: Here's what <laughs> we found out. Ed Sheeran. Uh-oh. The sensitive... You know who I'm talking about? Oh, He's I know Ed Sheeran. The
0: ginger fog, He's they call him. A, he, <laughs>
2: I'm pretty sure. Uh he's one of these sensitive gingers, you know. Okay. And he's on that top spot. And here's what I'm saying right if now. If you're from
1: the Ginger Anti Defamation League, please don't email us. We're just kidding. <laughs> I know what
2: you're saying right now. We're you're saying you guys sound like a bunch of anti-gingites? <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. As a
1: South Park reference wrapped in a Seinfeld That's, reference. Here,
2: here's here's what it is. Some people out there say he sounds like you guys have gingivitis. No. Yes. That's not what this is.
4: No, it's something different.
2: We are... This th- is
4: just envy. It's just... <laughs> yeah, this is... pure envy.
2: Bald We're, envy. We are trying to take this brother down in his little ginger ways. Because we I mean? want that number one spot. We want the number one spot. That's how it is.
0: You we, know. Well,
1: I'm, I'm checking the iTunes chart right now, and uh-huh. not only does Ed Sheeran X, is just the title of the album, apparently, right. not only is that the number one singer-songwriter album, the that is number one, the plus deluxe version is number five... Mm. And Just X, again. No, the the Deluxe Edition is one.
2: He's just double dipping. Plus
1: Deluxe is five, and Normal is eight. Wow. And Sheeran has three of the top eight singer-songwriter records on the iTunes chart right now. And, let me do the math, four of the top eight
2: songs. Wow. That's pretty hardcore, man. That's why we got to take this brother out. That's
1: un-American is what that is.
2: That's really, exactly. We want to totally, go ahead, Lee
3: he actually is not an american so lee was
1: just being xenophobic normally we we're trying to point that out
3: <laughs> so
4: and what i'm here is we want to totally destroy this guy correct
2: so that we can put jesus music at number that's 1 correct. that's correct sure. you got the right vibe on it yeah. is we want to crush him in jesus name exactly right <laughs> and that that's what happens is a lot of people out there say you this anti ginger thing is an anti foreigner thing you know what i mean it's an anti-year number one, and we want to get it. You think it is that thing? It is that, that, it is that one. Yeah, maybe a little of the other ones too. Who Principally that one, though. But mainly that one, because this is what it is: is you don't get to number one unless you start a beef. Sure. And you know what I mean? Absolutely. You get well, there there are other ways,
1: up. but this is kind of our pet project one,
2: essentially,
1: which has borne no results in the other ways we've tried it. But we're right. going to keep trying.
2: The, our basic response over here is, if there's a problem, kick off the revolution.
4: Well, here's what I want to put out there. Because, you know, one of the things we discovered Definitely. with Joel Osteen, and this is totally happening, is that he knows we're a threat.
2: Sure. sure.
4: He's been coming after us for years, trying to keep us down. Here's right. what I want to ask is, is there a chance we would have had the number one spot this last week if Ed Sheeran wasn't actively sending out his ginger goon squad? Obviously. To squash us,
2: right? Well, I mean, you know, he's right now. He's formulating his plots and schemes. Absolutely. Okay. If we don't have a way to respond to that and preemptively, exactly right, then what? You know, we're going to be caught unawares. Yeah. Well,
1: here, here's what I want to put out. I think uh, most of the theories of what uh, Brother Sharon's doing for success, that we can ape, revolves around the gingerness.
2: Right. Right. Now. Right. Right.
1: right. And it's a possibility. Don't get me wrong.
2: I, w- I hear what you're saying. Can we make Southern Harmonic ginger? And the answer is yes. Sure, we can, and we should. We can, and we should for that's, a number of reasons. But, but at the top of the list, I, I want to.
1: I, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, okay. I,
2: I, continuing I, I your zero I had... batting average and <laughs> right. starting
1: a sentence with I know what you're saying right. and getting it right. <laughs> right. Here's what I would say. Yeah. Is you know that, but that would be an anomaly because I can't uh-huh. think of another redheaded singer songwriter who's had such dominance
2: right Right. but
1: you know the the sensitive singer songwriter sure yeah is a long running yeah uh, there's lots of those there's lots of those ed sheeran being one of the most recent the most popular right now so here's what i'm wondering is the thing holding this podcast this record label this organization the thing that's holding us from going to that next level does glenn need to be more sensitive
4: oh yeah i think that's got
2: to be it yeah yeah
1: let, let's do a trial run, Glenn. I want All you to right. be—I want you to tap at that part of yourself
2: okay, that you know get,
1: watches the rain and cries. Whatever yeah, these people uh, do.
2: Hold on, I gotta get to it. Okay, I'm ready.
1: Okay, we're gonna do a sample question.
2: I, I've gathered myself together, and
1: you're gonna, you're gonna answer it in a sensitive.
2: I've girded my emotional loins. <laughs> well,
1: you should <laughs> empathetic, non-ranty, non-Uncle Anyway. Right. Hey. Well, uh, Anonymous writes in and says. I'm worried. I have soul ties. No. Whatever should I do? Nah, well, try again.
2: Okay. With that, that I was that was sensitive. Like you wouldn't want to write a singer songwriter song entitled
1: "No." that no, would no, not be good. Okay. You empathetic. Okay. You got a feel for the people. Right. Say. Okay. I, I go to this mega church, and we we have way too much money and nothing to spend it on. What should we do?
2: I feel you have no idea what you're talking about.
1: Hmm. Close. See, there was feelings well, in there.
2: There were feelings. There were there were feelings. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I feel like you may be brain damaged. Is that, uh, <laughs> is that again? Uh, I feel like you're not accessing the
1: emotion.
2: I feel like there may be a gas leak in the room where <laughs> you are that's c- preventing you from having proper cognitive function. Okay, let's
4: let's try this. There's I,
2: Lots of feelings right there.
4: Totally, you know, uh,
1: I'm getting nowhere, Jed. You try something.
4: I want you to do the same thing. Right. You can keep all the same words. Right. Just give it to me in a soft, breathy singing voice. Okay. (laughs) Let's try that. So I'm afraid, and
2: and just let me just say this right now. Yeah. Am I allowed to do falsetto?
4: Absolutely. It's encouraged.
2: That's (laughs) okay. That's as sensitive as it gets. Right. And he does it. He does it, doesn't he? Oh yeah. Sheeran.
4: Yeah. Okay. You see, you ready? I'm ready. All right. I'm afraid. I might have soul ties.
2: I'm afraid that you don't have any idea what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling that. It's pretty good. Man, I'm feeling that.
1: Man, that. It's a little was... more Luther Vandross and Ed Sheeran, but both are good. I
2: ha- You know what it is, is I have too much soul. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I can't dial that back, y'all. Okay. And we I wouldn't ask you to. Thank you. No. Because I can't have my light under. That's what shoulder.
1: makes Glenn Glenn.
2: That's right. I got soul. Yeah. No,
4: I think, <laughs> I think that, and I think, you know, if we could, if we just EQ it to where it's just perfect. Right. That would really be... If we could just do
2: that, I you, think that would you, be You thing. mean you would like to Nashville it? <laughs> to That's a, a joke <laughs> Jed with... is making just
1: for the f- three of us and maybe a couple of kids from Belmont.
2: <laughs> you just want to make it so that there no soul comes through on the end <laughs> that was a, That
1: was a joke more for Jed to vent his spleen for his own benefit
2: than for the audience to enjoy. Yeah, yeah that was for me. That
1: happens a couple of times in an episode. We, hope, uh, we hope you're fine with
2: it. Absolutely. I'm saying it's time we took this brother down. Well, hey, uh, I think we all agree with well, that. I think
1: there's plotting and scheming to be done, but for right. now, Southern Harmonics number seven, that's pretty good.
2: Woo! Here's what I'm saying is, if you're listening to this podcast, okay, wherever you're at, out there, people, Ed Sheeran may be coming to your town. If okay. he comes to your town, all right, you cuff him, you get in his face, yeah. you know, and you say, watch it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just like that. His, uh, his security
4: guards won't have any problem with that
2: at all. I've been handed it. a note
1: from the Say That legal department to point out that cuff is a term often used in the inner city to mean pull someone aside and have a conversation with them. The Say That podcast does not promote physically restraining Ed Sheeran. <laughs> you,
2: you, 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 you get in his face. Yeah. And say, watch yourself. That's, that's a fantastic idea. See what I'm saying? So on that basis... With the understanding of, uh, you know, if you see him, make sure to tell him. Absolutely right. On that basis, I declare an emergency off. Right on.
1: Well, oftentimes we try to come up with uh, strategies on the show for how to to, um, grow the listenership, how to get more exposure. Maybe that's, we interview someone popular, we talk about something. Um, In this situation, apparently Glenn's plan is to make sure that this podcast is played during a trial of someone (laughs) who assaulted Ed Sheeran. And um, that's one way to get on CNN.
2: Not a good one. Publicity is publicity, y'all.
1: Sure. It's uh, wise words from a man who's about to be called as a witness. Well, one of the the reasons we want to raise the profile of Bridgebox. Actually, I thought of a better segue mid-segue. Southern Harmonic was number seven on the iTunes Singer-Songwriter chart. You know who had all them Southern Harmonic tracks? Months before the world did, who that would be Bridgebox subscribers. Woo! Oh my goodness! So not only did those people get the warm and fuzzy feeling of supporting ministry behind bars on the street, right here in Chicago, to gang members, recovering addicts, they got the exclusive music that so many people wanted. They drove it up to the number one singer-songwriter EP in the world. They got all that just as a bonus for yep. giving eight measly dollars a month. You, too, wow. can get in on that. com slash box. You can also sign up for the Lee Younger version. That's exclusive music from Lee every month. com slash B-B-L-Y. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. Came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, I was badly hurt by legalistic people in my old church. I'm looking to fellowship elsewhere, but don't know the line between tolerating those types of people versus writing people off too quickly out of fear of getting hurt again. Are all churches this way? Glenn, why don't you start us off?
2: Oh bless your heart. Uh, the good news is they're not. Uh, legalistic churches um are are not the norm necessarily. They're they're not the vast majority of what's out there. Uh if you wanted to find a church that's neither legalistic nor particularly boring and semi-dead, that might be a little bit more of a challenge. Uh but I think the main thing that I would say well, two 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 quick points off your, your question here. One is that it's okay to give yourself permission to be picky. That sure. That's okay. You don't have to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. You don't have to have an attitude of let me cut lots and lots of slack to people. If it, Sounds legalistic to you. It's okay to just get up mid-sermon and excuse yourself and walk right on out. Words for from a
1: man who's done that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's no. You're not doing anybody any favors by putting up with stuff that's just uh, bogus and, right. and 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 that you know is bogus. If you've been there before, you know what's down that road. So no use in kind of sticking with that. The other quick thing I'll say about that, and I'll sing it around to these other brothers is. Um, that it 's important to keep your eyes open and to keep looking you know i I would set a goal in your mind. I want to look at ten different churches and i 'm not even if I like the first one i 'm not going to stop until I see you know ten different churches to have that attitude of of being sort of a a, a, a picky person every now and then I hear actually more more often than every now and then i uh, on a semi-regular basis, I'll hear pastors criticize a consumer attitude in picking a church, you know, that you shouldn't have a consumer attitude. Those pastors all have one thing in common, which is they suck. Yeah. And they're insecure about how they suck. So they don't want you to apply any critical uh, uh, matters of uh, uh, decision-making to it. Yeah. They don't want you shopping around. They just want you settling for something that sucks right here and right now. (laughs) <laughs> um, we are not telling you to do that. We're telling you be picky, get out there, take a look at a lot of different churches. It doesn't mean that they're bad churches, but some churches are going to click with you and some are not. I go into lots of churches where I say this is a great church. It doesn't do anything for me, but I know these are good people. They have a good heart. They have a good services, good preaching. It 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 just wouldn't do it for me, but you know that there it's it's good stuff. Uh, you deserve to be in a church where you feel at home, you feel cozy, you feel like it—it it pushes all the buttons—and don't stop looking until you feel like you find that. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's absolutely right. Absolutely right, Lee. You work at a church that actually deals a lot of people have kind of been uh, winged by other churches. Why don't you give us some info on this?
3: It's really funny because people have described our church before as kind of a mash unit of. This is the place that they go after they've finally gotten tired of being hurt by churches and and being in kind of legalistic environments, <clears throat> and and we wind up kind of kind of being that place for people a, a lot. And you know, our, in our church, there is this just kind of DNA of freedom. We talk about you know uh, just the we we preach the gospel of grace all the time. I mean, this is something that it's it's all it's it's in the songs that we sing, it's in the messages that we give. It's it's in the Sunday school classes or the community groups, it's all all the time. And yet, the funny thing that that you find is even in a church where that is in the heartbeat of who we are, there are still some people who are super legalistic. They're they 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 uh the you know they they don't think they are, but they totally are. And so I think w- one of the things is even if you find a great church that has a DNA of freedom and stuff like that, and just talks about grace, kind of place that, Glenn's talking. You're, you're not settling. This is a really cool place. There are still going to be some people with funky attitudes in that church. Yeah. And the yeah. thing that I would say off of that is whatever church that you do wind up going to, um, make sure that that even even within that church you don't stop looking within that church but you try to find your tribe your group of people within the body of that church so the people who encourage you the people who make you feel you know the the you know the, your your freedom and you know your freedom as a as a child of god and, and your freedom in christ and all that kind of stuff so with even within the body of your church, your people that you lean on, that encourage you, that that pray for you and stuff like that. That's a that's a big thing. In other words, you you've heard if you've listened to the show for a long time, you've heard us talk about before that you actually can't sustain, you know, close relationships with you know, all of the people in your church. If you go to a church that has, yeah. you know, even even a, a small church, even a church that only has a couple hundred people, you can't be close with all those people. The human brain cannot do that. And so within that body, to find your tribe, to find your four, five, six, seven, eight people that you really kind of lean into and you are experiencing life with and all that kind of stuff. The other thing I would say is there are probably people who are listening to this podcast who maybe live like not in a big city or not even in a what we would consider like a small town but some people that live in like a tiny 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 place with not a lot of churches and not a lot to choose from um i i have a couple of friends who who are part of a ministry way out west and it they literally have to they have to drive 45 minutes to a paved road from where they work in their ministry and then it's like a couple hours to the grocery store and the only church anywhere near their house and and where they work in their ministry Is like it's it's like an hour away, and it's all just it's like twenty really really old people, and it's just a and they're just trying to make it work there. They're trying to be a part of this church or whatever. There's just not a lot of churches, and one thing that they're what they're what they're finding is for is that there are a lot of different ways to get fed especially in the internet days. So there are blogs you can read and there are podcasts like this one that you can listen to or like the bridge podcast, which like the bridge podcast is a worship service. You have worship songs, you have a sermon, there's a benediction with scripture memory and stuff like that. There are other ways to get fed off of, you know, if you don't have all the kind of choices where, you know, we're in Glenn's exactly right. Go visit 10 churches. But if you're in like a super tiny place and there aren't, Ten churches that you would ever visit or whatever there are other ways to get fed it's one of the cool things about the 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 kind of day that we're living in, and so that that would be kind of where I would start is even in the church that you wind up in find your tribe and then find <laughs> other ways to get fed I
1: think that's a really great point a really good uh, angle to cover Chad one thing I'd like to get you to look at is assuming I think a point Lee made there is very well taken it's important to remind that is as Glenn pointed out, not every church is legalistic. Sure. But probably every church has legalistic people in it. Yeah. Who came sure. from a certain background and that just happens to be their particular malfunction. I think I to me the difference between a good church and a not well-run church in those situations is how leadership responds to that is the difference between Mm. having legalistic people and being a legalistic church. So Jed, up in Chicago, we deal with a lot of churches, and a lot of leadership. What what are the things you want to see from leadership when someone gets out of line on something like this?
4: Fantastic question, man. And we should say to the person who wrote in this question, we're really sorry for what you've been through. Yeah, it's a bummer. You know, it's all of us actually can relate to it and it, and it hurts and it sucks and, and we're sorry for it. So as you, as you move forward, Matt's absolutely right. No matter where you go, um, as <clears throat> as my dad has often said, you know, everywhere you go is people, you know, and, and people yeah. misbehave everywhere you go. In um, any church, there's always, you know, the, a handful of people at the very least that are on some weird legalistic stuff and, you know, want to talk to you about how Harry Potter's the devil and that kind of thing. <laughs> um yeah. And the thing is, um, you know, part part of this is you feeling the freedom. I don't want to touch on that in a second, but you feeling the freedom to say, "Hey, I'm not on that, dude." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, well,
1: sell that somewhere else.
4: Sell somewhere else. I'm not. I'm not on that. But you know, in and and you should feel the freedom to do that. But in my experience, you know, you know, it's there. Half of the legalistic people will take the cue and sell that somewhere else, and half will double down. <laughs> well, in that moment, you want to be able to go to the pastor or the associate pastor, someone in leadership of the church, and say, hey, look, I like being here. I like being a part of this community and this body and whatnot. But, uh, you know, Johnson over here is driving me crazy with the Harry Potter's, the devil stuff, and, uh, you know, you got to get him to relent. All right. Um, in that moment, uh, that pastor, associate pastor, or whatever, he has a couple of options. Now, at a bad church, what he's going to do is ignore it. Um yeah. That is to say, oh, well, you know. he uh, uh, has
1: got opinions. And, well, it's all one body and many different. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. And if that's, if that's
4: the case, what they're telling you is we don't have your back. You know, if you're going to be here, you're going to have to put up with stuff, and that's not a good church situation. That's not what you want to be in. Um, uh, What they may say, and this is, you should consider basically it's time to just pull up stakes and leave, is if they try and convince you he has a point.
0: Yeah, um,
4: Yeah, That's bad. Well, we all have viewpoints, and have you tried considering his viewpoint? And that's right out. That's that's time to just leave. But the right way for them to handle it, um, there's a few variables on this. One might be saying, Look, you're absolutely right. A dude, he's got some struggles. He's got some issues. Right. Uh, we're working with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you to be, uh, if you can, as patient with him as you can. We're, we're working with him. Um, hopefully, he can keep it to a dull roar. Um, right. You know, if, if he... If he just won't relent, let me know and and I can say. But I'm I, I'm aware. I'm working with him. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's no problem. You know, we you know uh, give, if you if you can be cool with it, give me some time here. That's actually fine. Sure, um, that's that's right. that's that's no problem because again, it's acknowledging there is a problem. Yeah. We There is a solution, even if it's a slow one, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, there is, we're aware, we're working on it, um, we're, we're asking you to be understanding about it, and I bet you can live with that if yeah. that's the solution. If it's something a little bit more extreme, it's not, you know, so much Harry Potter as the devil, it's something, you know, you know a little more out of pocket, you know, the response you want to see is, I'll go talk to him and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the response that, you, that yeah. you see. I can tell you, in our ministry in Interstate Chicago, uh, we don't play with stuff, Um mm-hmm. You know, um, we we um, uh, talk take people aside and talk to them regularly and explain. Don't ever do that again. Um, I, I know what you meant. Don't, and go apologize to this person. Um, you know, uh, won't it won't kill leadership in a church to do that? And and I think you you owe that to yourself to be in a place where they take those concerns seriously and they address them. But that does lead to one quick thing I, I'd like to to offer to you. You said you're 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 trying to balance the line between tolerating legalistic people and running people off too quickly. Here's the thing: when you've been burned by a certain kind of very damaging attitude or thought process, you don't need to be accommodating to that thought process. Right. Yeah. Um, People that are serious about addiction recovery do not put up with self-pity because they know how poisonous it is. Mm -hmm. You start getting on self-pity around them, they will stop you and say, hey, I don't do that, man. Um, um, It's it's not going to be like that. Um, A lot of us around here are very similar on anything that's insecurity. Mm -hmm. We have seen Mm -hmm. so many lives destroyed by insecurity. Um, We don't play that. We Mm -hmm. don't tolerate it. We don't put up with it. It's not that we're writing you off as a person, but it's just a firm line. That doesn't work here. We Mm -hmm. do not do that. There's nothing wrong with having that attitude and making it' clear that stuff is poison to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be around it. Right. Um, and it, and I think it's good for you to own that and simply be upfront about it. Uh, it sounds like one of the things for you might be manipulation.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I that, don't. I was about to say. I think manipulation is a piece in this.
4: I don't do manipulation. Right. Um, I'm not going to put up. I'm not going to put up with any amount of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had a peanut allergy. I wouldn't eat a couple peanuts. Right. I yeah. got a manipulation allergy. I'm not mm-hmm. going to put up with any of yeah. um, I And that's a good thing. That's something to be upfront about and to own for yourself. That's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean you're rejecting people. Mm. It means you're rejecting a thought process because you know how damaging it can be. Yeah,
0: good
1: word. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Now, the other thing, not even the other side, but just another caveat I want to put on this is, however, the other side of that is when you've been burned by one particular thing, it's easy to see that thing. In every different kind of yep. behavior. So especially when we're talking about a very specific situation like a church, um, At some any church you go into will have behaviors similar to the church that burned you. Absolutely. So you right. got to develop your own spidey sense about what actually is legalism or manipulation, what's not. You can't go in there and say, oh, you know, my old church, uh, they talked about the Bible a lot, and this guy seems to preach out of the Bible, so I'm out. Right, right. That's right. uh, not going to work. But some, part and part of that is trusting your own feelings and having some people around you who you can um, run some things by, which we all do all the time, and say, you know, here's what this sounds like. But I got a weird thing about this, so I'm going to give somebody, a friend, a mentor, some. I'm going to give them the straight facts and just see if to an outside source this looks like something. Absolutely. And. We're happy to do that here. We're happy to do that on the blogs. You can write in, you can send an email and just say, hey, um, I'm the one who wrote you about the... uh, the the uh, legalism thing and here's the sermon was titled if you wear shorts to church you're going to hell so i do not what's, what's that all about
4: <laughs> uh, to build on that it's no problem at all and i think it's actually a good thing to get in the habit of asking people for clarification right you know if you guys who's like well i don't i don't know about the harry potter and the things say now nah, it sounds like you're suggesting that a harmless children's book is uh, somehow a fruit of the devil <laughs> right. am, am i am i reading that correctly
2: uh, I'm, I'm sorry you mispronounced it it's fruit a fruit the, of the devil.
4: Of the devil. Uh, yeah. Am I reading your commentary correctly? Now, in that moment, they may come back to you and say, "Oh no, no, no! What I mean is, I'm talking about young, young children that sure. are three or four, right. and there's there's a lot of tough stuff in those books, and the, and it's right, they right. might not be ready it might for be it. Age
2: appropriate. Exactly. Four and
1: five aren't really children's books, and I don't know we should all be you know. exactly yeah, right. Yeah.
4: You, you know, we want to keep it age appropriate. Certainly, as they get older, is no problem. I'm just saying for like young, young children that are just right. little, little. It might be because there's monsters and tough stuff and whatnot. Okay, no. No problem sure. maybe maybe be clear in the future that's what you're saying but by contrast and then you have nothing to worry about if they come back and say oh no because it's a witchcraft the thing and the, the leviticus blah, 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 right. say all right dude now you've confirmed for me you're on some legalistic nonsense i'm out it's never a problem to ask for those kind of clarifications right.
1: that's a great point and this is going to be this is going to be a little out there i want you to go with me um nowhere in the bible does it say thou hast to go to church Kind of going back to the Lee thing, you got to have fellowship, and yep. you got to have teaching, and you got to have worship. But this idea of I got to get to a church and it must be bona fide and it must this, that, and the other, that's not necessarily true. Now, what is true is by and large, a church is the best place to find yeah. all those things you need in one spot. Right.
4: In mm-hmm. theory, that's what it's set up for. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's what it should do. Now, th- I would say that for two reasons. One, to Lee's point, There are some people who unfortunately just don't have a ton of options and you don't actually have to, you want to make sure at best that church is a neutral thing in your life. And if it's a negative at all, um, that's not good. But also to say, and it goes back to kind of what Glenn was talking about, this idea that church shopping is bad Is total nonsense, as Glenn pointed out, perpetrated by churches who know they're really bad and will only get people based on the laziness of the parishioners to not go find a better church. But you don't have to uh, bow to that. And this idea of, well, you know, I'm just bouncing around in these churches and I'm not getting fed for this time. That's not true. When you're looking yeah. for a church, there are plenty of other ways to get fed while you're in that search, which means you don't need to be in a hurry to get through that search. What want you go back That's to right. the most important part of this is what Glenn said at the beginning. There are good churches out there. There's probably a good church near you sure. in your town, close, but putting in the effort to find that will reap a lot of rewards, and there's no real way to shortcut that process. Yeah. Right. And you also can't um, be uh, too invested in that to say, I think it's pretty good church, and then in two months later, some. People start being weird and you go, well, I probably misread that. It's time to get church shopping again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Church shopping can be, um, we're not trying to downplay that it can be exhausting and it's a right. rough thing to go through, but That's right. we are pro church, which is why we have no patience for churches that suck. Yeah. Because right. all of us in this podcast know how good church can be. Absolutely That's right. right. Which, and we want to give you a little bit of that vision for church leadership can be great, for the fellowship can be great, and that can all be a positive. So if you're in a situation where you say, well... I got this one, but not that one. The one we hear a lot is, I mean, they preach biblical teaching, so I have to put up with any kind of other misbehavior, right? Nah. Church can be an awesome force in your life, and don't stop looking until you find one that is. Amen. All right, so we move on to our next question here. It came in anonymous with our Tumblr inbox, and it says, I'm worried about my situation. Does First Timothy 5, 3, and 4 mean that I should not go to university in order to go back home and take care of my widowed mother? Does that mean I have to live with my mom for the rest of her life in order to take care of her? I will admit that that does damage my pride and ambitions. I feel like I'm wasting my life because I could be having a nice career or pursuing a degree, but I also don't want to be disobedient to God or to be seen as worse than an unbeliever. And before I throw this to Lee, I'm going to go ahead and read this verse. Just we're all on the same page. This is 1 Timothy 5, verses 3 and 4, and I'm reading out of the NIV. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. And uh, Lee, why don't you start us off here?
3: I will. You know, one of the things that's funny, and thanks for writing this in, um... Uh, we appreciate questions like this, although it is a, it, it's a difficult medium to answer some of the questions that we get because this is the kind of thing that uh, I know in my work and, and these, guys, these other guys do on the show as well, that w- we do a lot of our work in one-on-one conversations. yeah And in a one-on-one conversation, we could have a back and forth about, well, tell me what the situation is with your mom. And tell me what her health is like, and tell me what um, is going on in her life right now, in some ways i don 't have enough information to answer your question about what you should do uh, because i you know as soon as I see your question, which is a great question, but I have a lot of questions myself. I have questions like well how you know what is your mom 's health situation? how old is she like if you're if you're the age where you're just now considering going to university for most people. Most people's moms, if you're university age, are not to the age where they need round-the-clock care. So does your mom have – I mean, you know, is she still driving? Does she have friends? Does she have a church and that kind of stuff? Uh, You know, in other words, taking care – caring for your mom could mean a lot of different things. For me, you know, I, I was out of college, you know, 14 years ago. But still, my parents are still at an age where they're very active. They have their own lives and their own cities, and caring for them means, you know, visiting when we can. But we, you know, write letters, have the weekly phone call, all that kind of stuff, catch up, and that's what taking care of of them means. You know, it, it could be that your mom has money coming in from Social Security, from your dad, or or whatever. There could be a lot of very specific things that we don't really know in order to answer this question. So in order to kind of figure out what to do without being able to have the one-on-one back and forth, which is what we really need to do, and why I hope that you have somebody, a mentor or a pastor or somebody that you can talk to there in your town who knows your situation, without being able to do that, the thing that we would do is kind of zoom out and say, when you're looking at a situation like this, and there seems to be this verse that like is this talking about me and what do I need to do? Am I worse than a non-believer or something like that? Is, is, you know, if I want to go to university, does that mean I'm an ambitious prideful person? What we can do is we can knock some of that stuff out of the way and say, it's not prideful or ambitious to say, I want to go to college. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. The real question that we want to look at is in your individual relationship with the Lord, have you taken this situation to him and, and prayed this thing through, mm, like mm-hmm. if you've got a really clear like if you've gotten a really clear feeling from Jesus, I want you to move into your mom's house and take care of her. If you've gotten that really clear thing and you're like, I just can't do it, well, that's something that we need to figure out. That's, that's, then we want to figure out, okay, where is this university thing in the middle of that? Is there any way we can do some online courses at the same time? Whatever, whatever that could be. But if you don't have that, if, in other words, if you know there's something Jesus is asking you to do, and you're saying, I absolutely want to run in the opposite direction. Well, that's kind of what you're, what, you know, you're talking about with these verses. But my sense is that's probably not where you are. My sense is you probably, we, we may not have kind of prayed this thing through or gotten a real leading from the Lord on this. And, and there are a lot of really specific stuff. And And like these guys said, you can hit us back on this. Come back and write the question again. Give us some more details and stuff like that. But the real question is, do we know what the Lord is calling you to do. And um, because there are tons of ways that you can care for your mom without moving in and becoming a primary caregiver. I think that's where I'd start on this.
1: Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I think Lee brings up some a really good point. We're looking at a lot of verses of the Bible, with this one particularly, which is um, context and what it actually means. Can you pick some more of that up first, us, Glenn?
2: Yeah, the, the, this verse uh, is about helping widows in need, and, and it's referencing physical need. Uh, As Lee's pointing out, I think uh, we have the question, uh, is is your mom in some sort of physical or financial need? Is she unable to pay her rent? Is she unable to keep herself fed physically and so forth? Uh, if, If that's a problem, then yeah, this is a situation where you need to be thinking about what can I do to help my mom out? Uh, I think probably going to college and getting a degree and a really good job might be a really good way of helping her out so i, I don 't know that it's really more a, of a
1: long term plan
2: yeah it's it may take a while for that to kick in but uh you know i i don't i don 't think those are exclusive to one another so i i 'm not sure uh i i' at all you know kind of buy into that but I think there is one thing that that you may be experiencing here. You know, I think in our walk, we, we say to God, uh, when we accept salvation, we say, Lord, I'm giving myself to you completely. I'm, I'm, I'm yielding myself. I'm, I belong to you now. Uh, I become uh, your, your servant, and that's my whole life is being a servant of God. But we recognize as we grow in our faith that there are areas of our life that we really haven't surrendered to God yet. And uh, so there's, uh, you know, the the analogy you'll hear a lot of pastors give is is different rooms in the house, you know, and we're going to allow God to come in and have his way and be in charge of different areas of the house, different parts of our lives. Here's the thing is you had this moment where you thought maybe God would say, Forget about college and having a career and your ambitions, and as you put it, and so forth. Maybe I would ask for that to to not happen, and sort of that that uh, the, the, the sort of the shock wave that's sent through you, uh, maybe is a wake up call, but in a very good way. I mean, uh, uh, if you're a rich person, God may tell you, "Sell all you have, give it to the poor, take up your cross, and follow me." And, you know, that's meant to be like, oh, no, I didn't have, I don't want that. I'm not going to do, this is not what I signed up for. Let me just
1: counter off you there, God. (laughs) How about anything but that?
2: Exactly. The Lord has a way of of picking the one thing we least want to surrender to him and say, that's the main thing that I want right there. He has a way of giving that back to us in, 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 in a certain kind of sense. But it, it may be uh, sort of a wake-up call that the Lord is, is putting into your life of saying uh, "We uh, that if you're in a position where you're not trusting him with all of it, those areas where you are in control, you are making the decisions, and you're not getting wisdom, you're not receiving that direction from him, that's not, you're not going to be happy in that. Yeah. It's not, you're not going to be fulfilled in it. And yeah. it's not going to maybe turn out the way that you hope it would. So God, in His mercy and His love, will tell you, uh, "Give that to me, and let me tell you what yeah. I want to do with that." And that will work out well for you, and work will work out better for you. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that you have a valid concern in terms of needing to not go to school. But you know, I, I do think. The sort of the level of reaction that this got within you is uh, is an indicator, and I and again I, I want to land on this. That's a positive thing uh, in a sense that that uh, that you are able to recognize that that you're able to ask us about it. Uh, you want to be mindful of that, and you you want to have those moments like whoa, I that that's kind of like scary to think about giving God control of that. That means I haven't done it, means I need to do it, means, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's the uh, a, a possible takeaway on this. I
1: think that's a really good point. One other aspect of this I'd like to for Judge to take a look at is um, there's a possibility if you just kind of read this verse and it spooked you because your mom's a widow and you want <coughs> to make sure you're doing that thing. Something that unfortunately also happens sometimes is maybe we, you did something your mother didn't want you to do and mm-hmm. got a, well, you know, the Bible says. Mm. Yeah. So— <coughs> Isn't, the Bible is very clear in this issue that you know you should look after uh, widows and orphans in need um but the we also know that the Bible doesn't ever want you to be in an abusive manipulative situation, so Jed, maybe if you could take a look at what to do when your family's trying to kind of Bible at you with this kind of stuff
4: that 's a good question man and um, I know this is a stressful situation and we're we're praying you up and and we believe in you. I think what's interesting, because I I think it bridges together, Matt, what you're asking about, the manipulative family and what Glenn is pointing to, um, is it's easy in these situations in a positive sense to lose what you actually want in a good sense. In, In other words, the manipulative family is all about what they want. Um, I'm, I am, here's a thing I want, and I'm going to strong arm you in an emotional sense into doing that. If that's quoting the Bible, that's fine. I mean, literally I've had family members call and quote, uh, Bible verses on my voicemail <laughs> sure to try wow. and tell me I had to do things. Wow. Um, yeah, that's classy right there. <laughs>
1: Um, you know, thou shalt come to Thanksgiving, and (laughs) thou shalt bring stuffing. Um, here I assume it was in that voice. (laughs) (laughs) So you know,
4: the thing is, you know, the manipulation is all about what what they want. The funny thing is, part of what Glenn's pointing to with kind of almost panicked reaction is we get that panicked reaction in general when there's something we feel we need. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have this, my life would suck. But that's different from wanting it. Right. In fact, the funny thing is anything you need, by definition, you can't enjoy. Right. You, you, yeah. can't, right. you can't just want it in a simple, positive way. I think what happens, um, darling, is that we get in a way of figuring God probably wants me to have a crappy life. Probably the, the mm. thing yeah, that that's really holy. It's super holy. God wants me to have a miserable, terrible life where I'm miserable and I hate everything.
1: Because he loves me. Because
4: he loves me in his mercy. Um, and it will be to his glory the way I suffer all day, every day. Um, and then family members have a way of coming along and saying, you know, you're right. And I can break down the specifics of the miserable life that God has for you. Right. Yeah. I think... Part of the panic, and and it feels like the best word for what you're describing, I think part of the panic, it sounds like you're feeling, is maybe you've had in your brain a sense of there's a point of escape. Maybe you did grow up in a bit of a manipulative family, and there's a point of escape where I won't have to be around. these. I can go do my own thing. I can live my own life at long last. I felt that way. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's not true for you. That's definitely true for me. And there's a moment where you look at the Bible and it looks like maybe there's a loophole where God's going to tell you you can't do that. Right. Um, and that is freaking you all the way out. And it, it would, if I were you, it would freak me all the way out too. I think the thing we really want to look at in that moment is, why are you so convinced God wants you to be miserable? Right. Uh, where where is that coming from? The idea that God has just a crappy, unsatisfying life for you, that's in direct contradiction to everything Jesus said. Jesus right, said, right. I have come that you have life and have it to the full. That, right, that's, right. that's a direct quote from your Savior. Yeah. Um, uh, nowhere in the Bible does it talk about being, you know, the emotional martyr that's, well, I'm just, you know, <laughs> just do the best I can just to try and keep everybody happy. It doesn't talk about that anywhere. That's, right. that's not Christian. I think if there's a wake-up call here, and I think there is, I think the wake-up call is to ask, why am I so determined to believe God wants me to have a miserable life? Um, right. why right. am I so determined to believe that God is going to find the things that might give me joy and then smash them with a hammer? Right.
0: What, right. Why right. does
4: that That's make right. sense in my head? In other words, in my own life, I have experienced many times God coming and saying, this thing this way is not working. May I please have that for a while? Right, And then it comes back around in a way where it's awesome, and I wouldn't have set it up that way, and now it's really good. I've never once had God come to me and say, this thing is bringing you joy, and I hate it. <laughs> right. Because yeah. that's... That's not how God works. I am threatened by your joy. Right, that is right. that is not how God works.
1: God sounds like my mom. That's yeah. weird.
4: Uh-huh. Then we may be getting warm. So, darling, that's the thing we want to encourage you to do is to ask, why does the thought God wants me to be miserable, why does that get so much purchase in your brain and make so much emotional sense to you?
1: I think it's absolutely right. Picking up on that is we have to be wary of the way we read the Bible in the sense of, there's a lot in here that is getting added on. That may be getting added in your own brain. That may be getting added on something yeah. you've read or heard. Maybe getting added on by the, uh, the family member there. There are also some things getting subtracted, as Glenn pointed out, and Glenn and Lee both did, very important. This is talking about widows in need. Yeah. And widow was a very different thing in the days before Social Security yeah. and pensions That's and right. Medicaid. Mm. We're talking about if, you're, if you were a woman of a certain age and your husband died, you were just screwed. Right. If there's yeah. a uh, cultures in which Paul tried to women couldn't own property and couldn't have any income. And you were like, you were in the deep dookie mm-hmm. uh, to quote the Greek.
2: That's right.
1: But so we're talking about widows in need. If you're, if your mother has a life insurance payment and a pension and all, she's not actually in need. Right. So she can play that widow status all she wants. And the other thing is here is it, the the only thing the verse says is take care of widows. This whole thing of well, this means I can't go to college and I have to move in with her. That's that's not anywhere in the Bible. Yeah, that's all commentary. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can care for someone and still keep your boundaries up. We thought we work with uh, guys a lot in our line of work who we can't say this to them because you will get super punched in the mouth. Uh, their mother is a big part of the reason they have a lifelong addiction problem. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. But a lot of that was modeled for them, and that's not judging her. That's not because she's a bad truth, person, man. but that's just part of it. The, that home life was so toxic that heroin was a, seemed like a really good escape. If I got to be in this house, I got to have something that strong yeah. to make it palatable. Mm. So part of... Um, recovery their own recovery is not being around their family for more than half an hour at a time they go to the barbecue and all of a sudden cousin such and such is getting drunk and they say well it's been nice seeing y'all i'm gonna head on out Mm -hmm. and that's holy that god they know god obviously wants them to be on their recovery they're clear about that this is where we talk a lot about the ways in which you get you can hear from the Lord. One of which is Scripture. That's so true. One of which is wise counsel, and one of which is kind of direct prayer. So this is a good exercise. In that you take the scripture says. Well, it says it sounds like first this first Tim, Timothy here saying I should have to. I need to look after my mother if she becomes a widow. Now the wise counsel and the prayer part are where you can go to someone like you've done this podcast and say, I'm pretty sure first Timothy means I have to move in with my mom forever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And people can go, Nope, you're adding that on. That's not what that says. Right. Here's what that says. And you can pray it up as Glenn and Jed have both pointed out this, some of this, a piece of this, maybe you being willing to let go of some ambitions you have in life. Do what the Lord tells you. That doesn't necessarily mean again, moving back in with your mother. Right given some situations I've been in and around in my life. That sounds like that may be her interpretation yes, of this verse, right. but all it says is care for, you can care for her by uh, getting her set up in some assisted living yep. or making sure her financials are in order so that she can afford to live on her own. Or there's right. a number of ways to do that and fully do what the Bible is telling you in a smart boundary having way that you can pray through and get advice on that are not this kind of nuclear option. Mm-hmm. So, It's one of those things to look at. We've got to be very clear about what the Bible is actually saying and then be very clear where the vagaries are in there where we need some prayer and some wise counsel to kind of fill that out. And this is a pretty good example of that. All right. We're going to move on to our last question here. came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox for reasons that will immediately become clear. And it says, I'm a single male in my 20s. And when it comes to fighting lust, masturbation, or Mm. other sexually immoral acts listed by the Bible, I find it easy to look at you married folks. Mm. I'm assuming he means the three of you jokers. I assume, by the way, he also means the people giving the sermons and writing the books about yeah. how to fight lust
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. and
1: think, well, it's easy for them. They're married, so they can just have sex with their wives. Am I just not meant to masturbate until I get married? Aren't there health risks related to that? You know, sometimes people ask, do you edit the questions? No, do you it? no. But let this be proof that not really. Jed, why don't you start us off?
4: Well, uh, it is easier when you're married that if you have a healthy marriage uh, where there's a healthy sex life going on, it, it, it is easier. Uh, if you don't have a healthy marriage where there's a healthy sex life, it, it's actually not any easier at all. So um, <laughs> it, that, that's something. Um, but uh, here's the thing for you and masturbation is you're gonna. You're going to. Yep. Um, so we got to work from that place. As opposed to the fictional thing you have in your brain where you can conquer lust once and for all.
2: Well this is, and we know it's happening. Yeah. The 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 person writing this question doesn't know it's happening. Right. Because no one tells him it's happening. Yeah. Everyone tells us yeah, it's happening. It's, it's happening. I am doing this. I'm I'm probably the only one.
4: Yeah, no, it's everybody is. And you and you are. Mm-hmm. And and you're and you're gonna right. and you know one of the things that we get the most particularly from suburban christians is uh, qu- is questions and this is in person this is online of how do i have the best case how do mm-hmm. i start there and do right. that when the horse is already out of the barn right. uh, are are you at, i'll give you the direct question the direct answer to the question is uh, is the perfect way to do this to never masturbate at all and then get married and have sex with your wife yes that is that sure. is it that, that, is, that is the answer. The answer is also to never have any lustful thoughts of any kind, right. um, to, to only experience sexual desire towards your wife um, right. within the context of holy matrimony. Right. Uh, here's the thing. You're not going to do any of that.
2: That ship
0: has nope.
4: long
2: since sailed for everybody on the planet.
4: Uh, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. I think part of what we've got to ask is, why is it so hard to live in a world where you're a sinner and somehow, yeah. some way God's okay with that? Yeah, that's um, Okay. Because that's reality, dude. That's Mm. the world. And understand, I'm not trying to be flip. I hear you. I completely understand. And it's tough. And I get that. But but that's the world we live in. We're sinners. And God loves us anyway. One of the things I want to ask is, why can't we celebrate improvement? In other words, if you're at a place where you're masturbating twice daily, and you get it down to where you're masturbating once daily... Why can't we celebrate that as improvement? hundred percent improvement. That's a hundred percent improvement. I've talked to basically zero percent of Christians who would consider that any kind of victory. Right. Um. Yep. You know, uh, or even less failure.
2: Or even less failure.
4: Right, right. Um.
2: It's it's incremental change. You know.
4: You know, every good thing in life flows out of incremental change. Right. Every good right, thing. Right. The, this all-or-nothing thinking is uh, it, it, it will suck the will to live out of you. Um, mm-hmm. because you can't celebrate anything because nothing's a victory right, ever. Right. So there's no morale to keep you going. There's no that's strength. Right. I think there's a chance if you're masturbating twice a day and you get it down to once a day, the Lord might think that's a huge victory worth celebrating. It's right.
2: it's forward progress. You're making changes. And here's the thing, I, not to interrupt you, but you're learning things. Absolutely right. Uh, in going from yeah. twice a week to once a week that you can use to to to... Lower that number even more exactly right, exactly
4: right. right. The thing that I would encourage you to to look at the first thing is no shame, right, no shame of any kind. um yeah. the more shame you have, the harder it will be to deal with all of this. um everybody is masturbating right um every single person is masturbating right, I guarantee it, so uh we're uh some of them are lying about it, but they're they're all doing it. Um, uh, when we were single, we all did. So, uh, we're not going to pretend otherwise. Um, so that's thing one, zero shame. We are, we are declaring shame, the enemy. That's a bigger enemy than masturbation anyway. Absolutely. Um, we're declaring that the enemy. The second thing is we're going to look at setting some left and right boundaries for ourselves. If we are certainly, if we are looking at things that are illegal online, that is right out. If we are looking at things that are, um, uh, uh, setting very destructive patterns of sexuality in terms of stuff that's uh, abusive in any way or, or uh, violent or, or destructive in any way, that's right out. Mm-hmm. We, and we want to you know, set a, a firm, firm boundary on that. Does that mean everything else is okay? Not at all. No. Not not in a million years. But we've got to start somewhere. And we right. want to start by getting rid of shame, by setting some boundaries on stuff where I'm not going to go in that direction at all. And then we want to set modest, achievable goals. Mm-hmm. If we're masturbating twice a day, saying a year with nothing, that's not going to happen. Right. That's that's a terrible goal. And you're not using any patience with yourself on that. Exactly right. Okay. But if we say with zero shame uh, maybe I've got, you know, some folks to help keep me encouraged on it. If I happen to know people that could be cool about that, I'm going twice a day for the next three days, I'm going to try and take it to once a day mm-hmm. and see, can I do that? Now, that's a goal that might be achievable. You might want to get some wisdom about things that would help with that, maybe better ways to fill your time, maybe Mm -hmm. better stress relievers, Mm -hmm. maybe better kind of uh, rituals before you go to bed to help you unwind better and be ready to rest. Um, But those are things that will work. Those are things that will lead to improvement. But all of that begins with admitting, I'm doing it.
2: Right. And even if you fail at that, you figuring out what are your triggers? You exactly figure out right. What, and so exactly this, right. It's information that's useful. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Lee, why don't you pick picks up here.
3: Um, that's all incredible advice. the The side that the the angle that I want to come in on this is is your emotion about what you think God wants out of you, and your the way that you feel about God emotionally. And yeah. the, the question that I would have for you is. Because it feels like your attitude towards married dudes is, you just don't get me. You know, <laughs> you guys don't, y'all don't remember what it's like, man. And so yeah, we uh, do. it's so uncool for you to be the people to tell me to stop doing this because you don't know what it's like. Which means that your feeling towards, and I'm just taking a wild stab in the dark, that if you were able to be honest about it, your feeling toward God on this issue would be, you are so unfair. How can you possibly ask this of me? This is unbelievable. This is the most, this is, you are, God, you are so uncool for asking this of me. It's so difficult. It's so, it's so ridiculous. I can't possibly be expected to. And, and, and what is wrong with you? That, I'm just gambling. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of guessing. But I bet that that's in your brain somewhere. It's in your heart somewhere. You feel something like that because you feel something like that towards us married dudes, and we never said a word about it You know, we, uh, on this podcast. My question for you is, and here's what I'm saying, there's nothing wrong with you feeling that way. My question for you is, have you ever expressed that to God right, openly? Yeah. Have right. you ever actually out loud said the words to God, I think it's unfair of you to expect this of me, and I don't think you understand what it's like to be me? I don't think you understand what – because one thing that – if if you can dig it, what what I actually think is I actually think that you and God are having a conflict in your relationship. I think you guys are having conflict, and you're not talking about it. The communication lines have broken down, and whenever – like if if I was counseling a couple and we were dealing with – they were having a conflict and the communication lines are down – Uh, the place that I would start is I would be trying to go through the back door and find out who doesn't feel understood. Because that is a huge part of communication breaking down in a conflict between a couple is somebody does not feel heard. Somebody does not feel understood. So my guess is, and maybe you've never thought about this before, my guess is you don't feel very understood. You don't feel like God gets it. He doesn't, you don't feel like he understands what it's like. And look, that's totally cool. So my question is, have you expressed that? Have you said that? You need to express that complete and full and all the way out. And then let me suggest something, uh, you know, in a few days, once you kind of pray through some of those emotions, tell God how upset you are. Check out Hebrews chapter 4. Because in Hebrews chapter 4, it says that Jesus, our high priest, understands what it's like to be us because he has been tempted in every way. Now, that's a really cool verse. And my question for you is, what if you gave him the benefit of the doubt? Just as a mental exercise, Jesus, I'm going to go ahead and give you the benefit of the doubt that this, that verse is true and you have been tempted in every way yet without sin. In other words, you actually do know what I'm going through. Jesus was a single man in his 20s. He actually has been there. He knows what that feels like. And then, um, and and just kind of start working through that. And then talk to him as a friend who like, wow, you really do know what I feel like. I think that it's really hard. I think it's really difficult to give somebody um, the right to... To kind of speak into your life and kind of tell you what it's going to be like, and in other words, I think it's hard to get on 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 the step with God's plan if you don't feel like He understands you. And so I think yeah. we've got to start with some of these emotions.
1: Amen. That's absolutely right. want anyone close out on this?
3: Yeah. Uh, you know what I I love a brother
2: that looks for a loophole. Yep. Totally. I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's that. I respect the hustle. Absolutely. I, you know the uh, uh it's the pe- the ones that I don't respect are the ones that just say, "Yep, Lord, I'll do all of that." Never think about it, never yeah. do it. Yeah, just the, love you know, behaving. Yeah, just the, I don't trust those people. They fold like a cheap suit as soon as things get hairy, you know. I think it's it's great. Uh you, you ask, "Are there he- I love this. Are there health risks?" Sure, related to not master. Hey, the brother, there, get a prescription. Do things swell, and you have to, you know, <laughs> spare be in the a details. W- wheelchair, and you know, can't walk. Spare us the details. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, I, I respect you looking for a loophole enough to tell you actually there are in, in, increased incidents of uh, prostate cancer in people who do not use that equipment. It will take probably about 50 years of inactivity for that to kick in. So you're you're probably okay for the time Plus, being. Plus, you're
4: probably covered from the
1: activities occurred so far. There's. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know,
2: you're, you're, you've really taken yourself out of the danger zone. Yeah, at this point, you know.
1: Not that we need to, but a really good time to point out none of us are doctors. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> That's really um, just a
1: Jed theory more than anything a urologist has told any of us. <laughs> right.
2: Uh, and it, as it turns out, if you don't use the equipment, um, uh at, at at night it tends to fire off on its own, so that's nature taking Good, care of us. I'm I'm doing my best here, y'all. Uh so that's nature kind of taking care of us in, in that respect. But you're absolutely right. It's way easy or ways z- way easier for us as married dudes uh to talk about this stuff. It uh, it it's a much different thing for us. Um uh I i was twenty five when I got married, and there was um it it was a a very difficult road for me at times uh, dealing with that stuff so i can I can both sympathize that it's 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 hard to hear married people talk about waiting for sex and uh and i can and I can report that you're correct that that it is a lot easier on one side of that. Um, But uh, one thing I will point out here uh, that uh, you talk about uh, lust, masturbation, and other sexually immoral acts listed in the Bible. Uh, You're actually uh, lumping uh, masturbation in with those others, but masturbation is actually not mentioned in the Bible. There was a dude in a very, very obscure corner of the Old Testament named Onan, and um, (laughs) bless him. That dude really got famous for all the wrong reasons. His name kind of got
1: drug through the bud, so to speak. Really.
2: Um, uh, If you read that verse carefully, it's describing the, uh, at the last second, disengage method of birth control. Right. And that God was not pleased with that method of uh, birth control, did not want to see that happen. In
1: that one particular instance. In that
2: one particular instance, for that one particular dude, because of particular things going on. You can read the stuff around that to get that context and make that clear to you. Um, uh, There are people who've tried to find some sort of way of saying that that's referring to to masturbation. That's a long, long, long way to go on a very, 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 very very thin limb that you're climbing out on. uh, And it doesn't work for me. So what does that mean uh, for you? What it means is that if the Bible is not telling you something specifically about it, I think the only thing that we can take from that is that God wants to give you an individual instruction on yes, that. Yes, sir. Thing. Uh, he doesn't want to, he's, he's not saying for everyone this is this, you know, you know that he, he's not saying everyone all needs to do exactly the same thing, exactly the same way. He's saying when it comes to this area, of your life, and when it comes to your sex life and, and your thought life as well, I'm giving you some instructions in here. I'm giving you some, some, some very general words, but I want to lead you specifically. I want to talk to you about that. That's right. Uh, Matt was talking earlier about uh, getting stuff from the Word, wise counsel, and getting stuff from prayer. Uh, if, you, if, the, if the Bible doesn't specifically talk about that, then we need to lean all the more on getting that wise counsel, which you've done yeah. by writing to us, uh, but especially by uh, by that prayer and getting and listening to the Lord on this, um, give Him a chance to to lead you in this. Uh, he may surprise you in terms of how He really views sexual stuff, and that might give you a different look on this.
1: That's absolutely right. I want to close this out by talking about this the theological theory of total depravity. Mm. Now, you Reformed people really like that idea. Mm -hmm. That's the idea that means that kind of there's a sin nature and really nothing it can want is good. And there's really not any goodness in and of ourselves. Man is totally depraved. Now, there are people who read the books and follow the Twitter accounts and retweet John Piper and Tim Keller and all that, and they say, I'm all about reformed theology and total depravity. And then when they do the sinning, they get all surprised (laughs) (laughs) and all weirded out, because what they really meant by total depravity is all those other people are pretty depraved and I'm pretty dang holy. Here's the thing. You're a big fat sinner. We're all big fat sinners. It's not that big a deal.
2: Right. That's right. There's the
1: thing. If you believe that, you know, Jesus was crucified and conquered sin and rose from the grave conquering the consequences of sin, for people who believe that, some Christians spend a lot of time talking about sin in big, scary tones. Now, if you have a lust problem that leads you to – Random uh, Craigslist hookups where you will get <laughs> murdered or you cheating on your spouse and managing your relationships or deciding, you know what, I could ask that person on a date or I could just masturbate to pornography and I'm choosing the latter. Those are all very real big hairy problems with lust that we need to get into like some counseling and some issues like tomorrow because that's that's hurting your life. As we've been talking, if you're on the more the way the other 95% of people who masturbate, which is 95% of people, um, do that, which is frustration and stress relief and kind of like, that's not good. We pointed out, save your letters. It's not good. We're saying that it is a Mm -hmm. sin. Right. It's also not that big a deal. That's right. Now you want to set your left and right notes? If it's something you uh, you find, you may have noticed that all of this, all of this, all of us on this podcast, especially on the Chicago end, have lost the ability to feel shame
0: right. <laughs> or really register right. that or whatever. Right.
1: But if you're like one of those things, like, well, I can't ever talk to anyone about this. It's so terrible. That's a problem. Yes, you're never going to get past yeah. it that way. You're like, well, I would talk. I would ask someone out, but I masturbate before, so God will probably curse me if I ever get married. That's a problem. Now, in both those instances, the masturbation is not the problem. No, right? It's your jacked up uh, theology that guilt has driven you to around that. So that's the part we really want to let go to. It's not that big a deal. If there's anything we can drive home to you about this, it's not good. Let let me put it this way: it's squeaky brakes not a transmission failure. Yeah. There are hit things if you're driving your car and you hear it you go, "Okay, I'm pulling over to the side of the road. We're getting to the shop. This is this is like all sorts of bad." Yeah. Right. Then there's a little squeak in the brake. You go, "That's not great. I'm going to keep an eye on that. Make sure it doesn't get worse and next time I'm in the shop talking to my mechanic, I'm going to say, "Change oil and also, I got a squeak on the brake here, so why don't we look at that?" Right. That's more the level of problem we're yeah. dealing with. Now, yeah. one of the p- ways that this all gets screwed up is a lot of Christian authors and speakers are big, fat old liars.
4: Yep. Aww. And
1: not even in an aggressive way, but you'll get them up there and I'll tell, well, you know, I was a, I was a young man and I was just went to Bible study every day and prayed the lust away. And then my wife walked in and I didn't notice her physically, but I was so drawn to her heart for the Lord. And then we <laughs> were immediately married and never touched each other or nothing. And yeah. then babies. And pretty much all of that's a lie. Yep, right? yep. There was... pornography maybe in the old analog days where you had to try a lot harder to get pornography (laughs) but oh we managed oh yeah Brown paper bag. Yes, yeah. the kids today don't know anything about the dirty magazine in the woods. <laughs> yeah. It was always in the woods. Nobody's really sure why. Right. But there was kissy face. There was checking girls out. There was all that stuff. But when they tell the story at the conference, it all goes all away. That kind of gets sanded yeah. over. That's right. So you got to realize that if the dudes, if somebody, not even dude, if somebody has a book about purity and they tell their own story about how pure they were, of course they were in uh-huh. that story. So you got to get some honesty. You got to get around people who are honest. That's not that hard to do. You probably want them to be less shameless than us, because I think it's possible we've gone too far with that. But we're <laughs> really trying to we're really trying to make up for all the uptight people in some ways in Christianity. But it's not that big a deal. It doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean you're a super sinner. It doesn't mean it's an insurmountable problem. You're looking at it. You're doing your little steps day by day. That's all good stuff. All right, we're gonna let you go here. If you have uh, question for us. Say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. You can chat missionusa.com slash bridgebox and missionusa.com slash Lee mentioned the bridge podcast earlier. That comes out every Monday. You can find that on iTunes. You can also find links on our Tumblr. We're going to take out the song that has appeared on that bridge podcast. There's a song called Grace. It is about, as one might guess, yeah. grace, which we have mm-hmm. talked about a lot in this episode. Grace for yourself, grace for other people, grace for your past. This is a version sung by our friend Tasha Lawson, who's awesome, as is the song. We're going to take you out with that. Just remember, we love you. God loves you.
2: There's nothing you can do about it. Just say that podcast. We love all gingers, but we're gunning for you, Sharon. Grace
0: <laughs> It's the choice God made about me. Grace is the choice that he before me grace is the choice to pay for my wrongs that's what you did Upon the cross